I started writing Food for the Archons as a book of despair after watching my father die in 2013. During his transition, I experienced a series of paranormal and psychic events that left me feeling that I had either gone completely crazy or fell into humanity's darkest secret. I spent the next five years conducting extensive research, and I quickly learned that what I had experienced was real. My journey brought me to an understanding that showed me that despite the terrifying reality of an unseen predator, we as humans have a forgotten power. Just knowing this brings us tremendous hope in what once seemed a dark reality. I wrote this book for me in hopes of gaining a better understanding of our reality and relationship to it, but my hope is that you will find as much value in reading it as I did in writing it. I am human, food for the Archons, humanity's psychic connections, simulated realities, parallel worlds, and the manipulation of mankind. It's available on Amazon.com and at SixthSenseMedia.net and wherever books are sold. I'm Dennis Nappy II, reminding you to let your intuition be your guide. Thank you. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life. But there's something wrong in the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there. The coronavirus is spreading. More than 14,000 confirmed cases in China. As of today, Sunday, February 2nd, 2020, it's spreading throughout the world. The eighth case was confirmed in the United States not too long ago. A student at the University of Massachusetts in Boston. Do we need to be afraid? Is it time to batten down the hatches and bug out? Or is this just a lot more media hype to drive us or something else? in the direction that the establishment wants. Will they be taking advantage of the situation? I'm going to talk about that and its impact on our present day and what it may hold for the future and what it could mean for the economy and our society. Dennis Nappy II here with Sixth Sense Media. Hello, truth seekers. Today we're certainly going to challenge reality, question at what you've been taught, and hope to inspire a new direction of thought and bring about change on this episode of The Seeker Podcast. Once again, I'm Dennis Nappy II, and here we are, uh, looking at the coronavirus stuff. I have some news stuff I want to talk about as well. I gotta say, I honestly stopped looking at the updates for a while, for a couple of days, uh, and, and what a relief. Listen, man, I'm a, I'm a hypocrite. I know it. I'll be the first to say it. I tell us all the time, don't watch the news, which I don't. I follow that. Uh, and you're in control of what you're watching, what you're consuming, but there were a few days where you were getting like updates by the minute of the coronavirus. And I sucked in and I looked at every single one. You know, it, and I think it's the equivalent of when you're like, man, I'm really not feeling well. Let me go on WebND. Next thing you know, you've got like the Zambian parasitic flu fungus. You know, the most rarest disease in the world. Because you're looking at WebMD and you're like, well, my symptoms could be that. And then you're imagination gets the best of you is that what's happening here i know for me at least i i got myself all in a, a mental stress and panic about it because then you look I, at least for me then i looked at everything that's not done all the areas where i'm not prepared that i want to be prepared in and then uh you know the panic just <clears throat> it overwhelmed me 
and uh, it's frustrating. You know, I, I wish that I was always this confident, you know, informed person as I do this show. But the reality is, man, I like like some of you, all of you. Hopefully, you're doing better than me uh, out there, though. I, I'm a human being, and I, I get worried and I get stressed over stuff, even though I may have a little bit more of the picture. Um, it can be stressful still not knowing because it plays on our greatest fears. It plays on the health and safety of those that we care about. If it was just me, I, I would honestly, I would be enjoying the challenge of preparing for such an event. Um, but when you have, you know, a family to worry about, it's a whole different story. It's a game changer there. So anyway, uh, I'm going to talk about that a little bit. I have some stuff in the news. As always, I want to I want to bring us back and ground us, though. In the midst of all of this, I, I'd have to say I did find peace in my remote viewing and um, in my remote viewing practice and in meditation and in yoga. Those things that I can do to disconnect and then reconnect. Disconnect from the thought stream that's being programmed into our minds through the mainstream and even the alternative media. I'm guilty of it if you're listening to this show. But when I can meditate, I can I can distance myself from that, and I can connect to feelings that I need to feel. I connect to, to memories and events that I need to. I can gather information. I can learn. I can process information, or I can just unplug from it all and allow that stressful energy to just flow through me and out of me. And it helps. And I've been saying this for years. Start practicing now, getting in touch with that inner self, that inner voice, that intuition, that drive. Because in times like this, whether this is real and we all need to be concerned, whether this is the big one or not, for me, the stress and anxiety of it has been very real. Uh, At least earlier in the week it was. So I'm putting those practices into place, making sure I'm still spiritually grounded that doesn't uh, i don't even i don't know i'm gonna stick with that term making sure i'm still spiritually grounded uh and it helps and it helps me to find clarity and it helps me to find a sense of calm and peace and just focus on not necessarily what i have to do but what i'm capable of doing right now and those are things that i think are, are helpful so I continue to to train in remote viewing. I've been talking about it for the last couple of weeks about my progress with that. Um, Daz put out a target. He does a monthly training target, uh, at least the last couple of months he did on Facebook. And I, uh, I participated in one of those and I stayed up. I decided to do the target. I was exhausted, but I said, let me see what I can do. It was, it was late uh, Friday night. I did it uh, like one o'clock in the morning. I did this target exhausted, but I'm glad that I did. And uh, because I was feeling uh, the target before that I talked about it last week, I I was off, I missed it. And I went through this target and it was, it was weird because the beginning, I don't know if I can reveal the target yet, but so I'll talk about my, my reaction to it though. I got uh, level one data, which lately I've been less interested in looking at because I'm working on stage three and stage three, in my opinion, is one of the most exciting stages because you get to draw a sketch. It's not a detailed drawing, it's just a sketch. And I always thought that was really cool to go in and draw stuff and see it. And I I do pretty good with my sketches on most of my sessions. Um, So I find that to be the most exciting. Um, Daz, he wrote, gave me some feedback and he says, you know, hey, you got a lot of good target contact here. 
and I went back and I, I looked at it and um, the sketches I drew for the most part were off. And then I went back and I looked at my, my lower level data, my stage one and my stage two, which is basic gestalt, uh, basic shapes, colors, texture, textures, and then stage two is all sensory data. And it was all spot on. And when you know the target and you look at that data, it's it's okay, you've definitely made contact with it. And that was pretty cool uh, to see that. So I got re-excited about the early stages again. And stage three is fun, but you know, I, I'm hoping as I grow as a viewer to have even more deeper, profound contact and looking at other viewers and what they do. I mean, sometimes they have this bi-located feeling where they're actually there. I'm only getting to stage three. That's halfway through because I haven't gotten that far in my training yet. I still have uh, you know, three or four more stages to go. Um, but it's been pretty cool what I've done so far. So I was feeling kind of frustrated because I'm not getting there yet. I'm not getting into that. I'm getting pretty deep sometimes where I feel like the the, day, the data is flowing. What I mean by that is I'll, I'll go through my procedures and my protocols. I'll write down the next step on my, on my paper. And then you, you get like four to five, anyway, three to five, three to six word clusters that come in your mind big, bright, expansive, explosive, you know, real fast, and you write them down, and then the next session comes, like a quick little burst of download, um, and, and you're kind of just in this trance state writing it down. So I, I am having that contact, but I started to feel myself getting frustrated, and I think that's because I work with some amazingly talented remote viewers, and I see what they do, and in my mind, I think I'm trying to compare myself to these guys who've been doing it for 20 years. Edward calls them the 30,000 hour club. Um, and I have to remember to step back like, dude, you've been doing this for a couple of months. There's no way you're going to get, you're not open to the, you know, experience enough to do what they're doing. Um, so for those of us out there who are learning remote viewing and are watching, you know, people that we consider mentors, leaders, teachers, um, from a, a rookie standpoint, I just want to offer words of encouragement in if you're getting target contact, that's that's amazing and celebrate those those small victories. Celebrate the stage one data, um, the stage two data, whatever it is that you're getting, any target contact that you have, and then go back and look at, okay, where did I go wrong? The stuff that I'm writing down that's just noise, where's that noise coming from? The stuff that's accurate, where was that coming from? What were the sensations I was feeling when that when it was accurate data? And I'm starting to get a stronger sense of what's actual remote viewing and what's imagination. But it's uh, it's it's work. It's hard work, and you and you have to pay attention to uh, to your own feelings, your own thoughts, your own visions, um, whatever it is that you're seeing. So, are you a remote viewer in training? Listening to the show right now, I'd love to hear you know your experiences what are you what are you working on how are you feeling about it you know i i think it's of the utmost importance i i really do and i think it really um brings us so much more potential so keep at it is what i'm going to say my hope is to start putting up some videos some training videos as i uh as so if anybody's interested in watching the process uh, i've been throwing a lot of stuff up on the youtube channel it's it's archives of the show but if you're a a youtube fan over a itunes or a soundcloud um, that's another way you can access the show. And I have to say, YouTube is probably my most active discussion forums on all my shows. I've, I've got a handful of listeners out there that have been um, sending me some great information, starting some great conversations. I haven't had an opportunity to reply to all of you yet, but uh, thank you for your kind words, for your 
insightful comments um really throwing it down on uh, on youtube very intelligent uh listeners on youtube so i i thank you all for your comments on there okay i think i'm boring you guys right now with me just that's that's my most common criticism on youtube by the way like all right get on with it already dennis stop babbling so let's get into a little bit of the show i want to talk about some news here this comes to us from defensenews.com the article's titled Introducing Skyborg, your new AI wingman. Uh, let's see. Where are we at? Will Roper, the Air Force's Assistant Secretary for Acquisition Technology and Logistics, envisions Skyborg as an AI wingman that will train and learn alongside pilots, becoming even, becoming even more skilled, attu- attuned to the pilot's needs, and ready to face an onslaught of threats that a human could have difficulty processing. The endeavor is still in its infancy, with AFRL currently still in the process of building an AI entity with academia. However, Roper said there is funding attached to the effort, and the service is considered intriguing Skyborg with an unnamed aircraft, perhaps Boeing's QF-16, Kratos Stealthy XQ-58 Valkyrie, or BQM target drone in the future. I don't want this to just be a laboratory project that lives and dies there in the Petri dish. I want this to become a program. He told reporters at a conference Wednesday, I want to see real operational demonstrations within a couple of years, and I will push them to be faster than that. So the ideas are there. The prototypes are being made. For all we know, they could already be out there. This is just what's coming out to the public. I'll share this link in the show notes at uh, sixcentsmedia.net for you to look at. But basically what they're proposing here are um, AI robotic planes or drones to fly alongside other pilots in the air, in the military, in the Air Force, to assist them in a variety of ways. They can be scanning, they can be conducting reconnaissance, they can uh, provide defensive um, maneuvers, protect the, the aircraft as well. I think it's fascinatingly interesting. What you're doing is you're attuning and training these robots to support the pilot. Um, it, it, a couple things it reminds me of, if you've ever seen Divergent, uh, I think in the second installment, their military uh you know the outsiders military they have this military suit they wear and they throw up these discs and these discs can create force fields and shields to protect them they create eyes and ears they can go out and conduct reconnaissance and it's all um transmitted to the operator's head scope where they can see everything that's going on and control them and i think they act as weapons as well um so there are these robotic orbs that travel around the soldier and can go out and do all sorts of really crazy things um, I'm pretty sure that's where we're going. It's this augmented AI little sphere that supports a soldier. In this case, it's supporting the aircraft. So uh, why am I sharing this? Well, we've been tracking the development of AI, and I think we need to be mindful thinking of the future, thinking of what may be out there so we can adjust our actions accordingly. Uh, I think it sounds really cool. Um... But I think we need to be mindful of the implications of that technology, depending on who's in control of it. All right. Uh, this was an interesting article from NPR. It came out on January 22nd. I wanted to share this last week, but I forgot. Exclusive Seattle area voters to vote by smartphone in first for U.S. elections. A district encompassing Greater Seattle is set to become the first in which every voter can cast a ballot using a smartphone, a historic moment for American democracy. The King Conservation District, 
a state environmental agency that encompasses Seattle and more than 30 other districts, is scheduled to detail the plan at a news conference on Wednesday. This date already passed. About 1.2 million eligible voters could take part. Uh, the new technology uh, will be used for a board of supervisors election, and ballots will be accepted from Wednesday through the election day on February 11th. This is fundamentally this is the fundamentally transformative. I'm sorry. This is the most fundamentally transformative reform you can do in democracy," said Bradley Tusk, the founder and CEO of Tusk Philanthropies, a pro- nonprofit aimed at expanding mobile voting that is funding the King County pilot. Uh, I'll share this again. You can look at it. Um, why is this concerning? Okay, obviously we can go and we can look at the hackable option. You know, can can a foreign adversary, can an opposing party get in and hack that data? Um, and then, you know, rig an election or sway the results of an election. Right now, possibly. I don't know what kind of tech they're using for that. But let me be clear. This is where society is going through your smartphone. You are going to, we're going to start voting at smartphones. You're not going to go to the polls anymore. I don't think it's going to be in place in time for this election. But I'd say by the next election, I, I think is a real possibility that we'll be using smartphone um, voting or electronic voting where you don't have to go to the polls to do it. Our society is changing drastically. Now, why is this concerning? Well, when you're voting through an app for a couple of reasons, I've talked about the massive collection of metadata. The people behind the data will know how you vote. That may or may not have an adverse implication on your life. On your ability to engage with the system, I don't believe we can have a truly free democracy if your vote is being recorded and stored as a piece of metadata. In addition, the organization that controls the data can control the results of the election. The election. Now, I'm sure they're going to put into place. Uh, you know, if they go on to blockchain, they say it can't be hacked, it can't be influenced. I'm sure that's going to be out there. But at the end of the day, we're moving to a society that gets all of this information that inputs and receives information via smart or wireless or digital technology. Therefore, if the means of submitting data is the same as the means of receiving data, if somebody's capable of transmitting a story, real or not, that becomes the truth. That becomes the law. So this has, I'd say, but it's it's where it's where the future is going. Now, why? The question is, I mean, in order to in order to vote, you're going to have to have your digital ID. So as as we've talked about before, in order to engage in commerce as the economy changes, you're going to have to have a digital identity. In order to vote, if that's important to you, you're going to have to have a digital identity. Again, I don't think that's going to be in place for this election, but I think we can look towards it for upcoming elections, having that digital identity. Now, could that be a consequence? You know, easier to ban you from it, easier to manipulate you with it? I don't know, but it is concerning. All right. Let's move into the into the news here. I spent 20 minutes babbling here, and let's talk about what's going on with this coronavirus. 
This comes from CBS News, updated February 2nd, 2020, at 14.11 hours. We have here the first death outside China from coronavirus reported. University of Massachusetts Boston student was confirmed Saturday to be the eighth case of coronavirus in the United States, one day after U.S. officials declared a public health emergency. On Sunday, the first death outside of China was reported in the Philippines. In China, there are 14,411 confirmed cases as of Sunday, according to the World Health Organization. As a result of U.S. declaration, foreign nationals who have traveled to China in the last two weeks and aren't immediate family members of U.S. citizens or permanent residents will be temporarily banned from entering the U.S., according to Health and Human Services Secretary Alex Azar. Tsar also announced that anyone entering the U.S. who has been in China's Hubei province province in the last two weeks will be subject to a two-week quarantine. On Friday, U.S. health officials issued a federal quarantine order for the 195 Americans evacuated from Wuhan, the epicenter of the outbreak. The group will remain at a military base in Southern California until mid-February, said Dr. Nancy uh, Massanier director of the National Center for Immunization and Respiratory Diseases. The government hasn't issued such a quarantine order in over 50 years. The State Department has warned warned Americans to avoid all travel to China due to the rapidly spreading outbreak. The decision came after the World Health Organization designated the outbreak a global public health emergency. Okay, and as of Sunday, that's today, the flu-like virus had killed at least 304 people, all of them in China, according to the World Health Organization. Now, keep in mind, we're about a month behind this thing here in the States, um, so it'll be curious to see how this plays out. Okay, speaking of quarantine, Dick Allgaier just put up a uh, YouTube video talking about um, people being sent to Hawaii who are on quarantine. I want to follow up on that. I've got an article from Kahan 2. It's the two-week quarantine for Hawaii arrivals from Hubei province in China. Uh, Any passengers coming to Hawaii from the Hubei province in China will be put in mandatory quarantine for two weeks, according to Lieutenant Governor Josh Green. This coming after concerns and questions arose after the federal government announced that Hawaii would be one of the seven locations used to funnel direct flights from China into the U.S., One of the main things Green said is that people shouldn't panic. There are still no cases of the coronavirus in Hawaii or even any suspected cases, and Green wants to assure everyone that state officials are doing everything they can to keep it that way. So here's what's interesting. Dick said that um, Hawaii is, I think, the most democratic state in the U.S., and uh, there's a possibility that this may be some form of political, a political move here against the Democrats. But I mean, I'd be pretty scared if my state was mandated one of the coronavirus evacuation site or quarantine zones. And I'll link to Dick's um, conversation about this. It's just a four or five minute video. You know, Dick spent 20, 30 years um, as a reporter covering things in the health industry. He knows what he's talking about. They're not equipped to handle this. He, he says the U.S. military is going to have to step in at some point with, with this. Um, he, and he, he had a flight manifest, looked like over a thousand people have come in in recent days um, f- from that area of China. So this could spread 
um, in ways that I don't think we've really thought about yet. We've, like I said, we have uh, I think eight confirmed cases in the United States right now. But if this stuff stays dormant for a week or two, uh, that number could explode in the next week or so. Nobody's died in the U.S. from it. Let's see if that starts to happen. Let's see if it's actually spreading asymptomatic before you have symptoms. Uh, I don't know, but you know we're continuing to watch the developments on this here. I'm going to read some more headlines. Going back to CBS News here, um, there's a U.S. ban on non-citizens who recently traveled to China. That takes effect today, Sunday. Uh, under these directives, non-U.S. citizens who have been in China within 14 days of their planned travel will not be permitted to fly to the United States. Okay, so we've got that ban going on. You've got Indonesia halting flights into Wuhan and evacuating nationals. Uh, and we've got here, the Philippines reports their first death outside of China. That was reported today on Sunday from the coronavirus. It was a 44-year-old Chinese man from Wuhan, Wuhan that was admitted on January 25th after experiencing fever, cough, and sore throat. All right. Uh, New York City Mayor, the city is in a high state of readiness. There's a video there. New York City is testing a possible coronavirus patient. This was, uh, I'm going to say yesterday. Okay, going back, yeah, February 1st, death toll over 300. There we go, and then uh, February 1st again, Boston, Massachusetts student tested positive. This is interesting. Department of Defense will provide quarantine housing. Secretary of Defense Mark Esper on Saturday approved a request from the Department of Health and Human Services for housing support for 1,000 people who may need to be quarantined due to the coronavirus, according to a Defense Department press release. The people are all returning from overseas travel and may need to be quarantined until February 29th. Authorities have requested several facilities that could house at least 250 people with bases selected in, here we go, Colorado, Texas, and California, uh, selected to house evacuees. The listed sites are the Regional Training Institute in Fort Carson, Colorado, Lackland Air Force Base near San Antonio, Texas, Travis Air, Air Base near San Francisco, California, and the Marine Corps Air Station Miranmar near San Diego, California. All right, so they're housing these people on military bases now. Um, CDC guidelines, evacuees will be monitored for a period of 14 days. Let's play worst case scenario, because why not? It's fun to scare the crap out of ourselves, isn't it? What do they end up affecting our military first? Then who's going to defend us and keep us safe and protected? A lot of good updates here uh, at the cbsnews.com. All right, I'm going to shift gears a little bit here. This comes from WCVB ABC. All right, so it's WCVB.com. Here's the title. Harvard Department Chair, BU researcher charged with concealing ties to China. This is the third case involves alleged December attempt to smuggle cancer research. Federal authorities, this is in Boston. Isn't that interesting? Federal authorities on Tuesday discussed three cases in which researchers affiliated with Boston area institutions are accused of trying to provide clandestine scientific aid to the People's Republic of China. This is a small sample of China's ongoing campaign to siphon off American technology and know-how for Chinese gain, U.S. Attorney Andrew Leving said during a press conference at the Mowgli Federal Courthouse. Although otherwise unrelated, each of these cases involves a scientist accused of hiding their affiliation with Chinese institutions. Charles Lieber, chairman of the chemistry department at Harvard University, Dr. Charles Lieber, 60, 
is accused of lying to federal authorities about his ties to China when he was arrested Tuesday. Uh, according to the criminal complaint, Lieber did not disclose that he's being paid a salary of up to $50,000 per month and $158,000 per year in living expenses by China's Thousand Talents Plan and the Wuhan University of Technology. Federal investigators also determined that Lieber was awarded more than $1.5 million to establish a nanotechnology research lab at WUT. China's Thousand Talents Plan, according to the complaint, is a Chinese government-run program designed to entice scientists and researchers in the United States to share their research expertise with China. Okay, this is the intelligence game here. You've got a foreign power recruiting top minds to share information that, that our government would rather be kept in-house. It can advance China in ways that may put them ahead of us. Maybe they're already there. Why is that interesting? Well, again, I think it just goes to show that we are uh, being targeted. You know, everybody's always focused on Russia, but China is a major player in the game. Okay, another story that's been floating around here. This is from the Washington Times. Coronavirus may have originated in lab linked to China's biowarfare program. Now, again, we need to proceed with caution on this. Um, not saying it's not true. I'm going to share another article that has a conflicting report of that or, or tries to, de quote, debunk this. Um, but it's easy to say this stuff. It's easy to panic overseeing. It's easy to quote it and spread that fear and panic. Uh, I'm going to leave this as, I think this is a possibility. I'm going to say that up front. Um, does that mean that this was intentionally released on the people? Not necessarily. Could it be an opportunity, though, where it was released that the system can now capitalize on this, uh, you know, to fulfill an agenda that's already been planned out? Yeah, that's possible, too. So let's look at this. The deadly animal-borne coronavirus spreading globally may have originated in a laboratory in the city of Wuhan linked to China's covert biological weapons program, said an Israeli biological warfare analyst. Radio Free Asia last week rebroadcast a Wuhan television report from 2015 showing China's most advanced virus research laboratory, known as the Wuhan Institute of Virology. The laboratory is the only declared site in China capable of working with deadly viruses. Danny Shoham, a former Israeli military intelligence officer who has studied Chinese biological warfare, said the institute is linked to Beijing's covert bioweapons program. Certain laboratories in the institute have probably been engaged in terms of research and development in Chinese biological weapons, at least collaterally, yet not as a principal facility of the Chinese BW alignment. Work on biological weapons is conducted as part of dual civilian military research and is definitely covert, he said in an email. Mr. Shoham holds a doctorate in medical microbiology. From 1970 to 1991, he was a senior analyst with Israeli military intelligence for biological and chemical warfare in the Middle East and worldwide. He held the rank of lieutenant colonel. China has denied having any offensive biological weapons, but a State Department report last year revealed suspicions of covert biological warfare work. Okay, now I read that, and then I come to foreignpolicy.com, and uh, I'm skipping down to the middle, but they say here, the article suggests a government-run lab, the Wuhan Institute of Virology, could have been researching military applications for the coronavirus and may have been the source of the outbreak. The only basis for the claim is a quote from former Israeli intelligence officer Danny Shoham, who has expertise in biological warfare. 
And uh, they have his quote there that I just read to you. While Shoham never backed up the claim made in the story that the outbreak stemmed from a biological weapon, other outlets nevertheless picked up the idea and ran with it. Texas radio station KPRC posted the story to its site, concluding some intelligence experts believe the China's military's biowarfare department may be responsible. Uh, here we go. Here's how they debunk it. All this on the guesswork of one man, and it's not the first time Shoham has, has pumped the tires on a theory without much merit. In 2017, he went on Radio Sputnik, a propaganda arm of the Russian government, to suggest the Islamic State had likely passed on chemical weapon capabilities to its sleeper cells in the West. So they're going in trying to debunk what this guy's saying. Here's my two cents. I, what, what I think is uh, curious about this, I mean, is that really just a coincidence that it's got this virology research center that happens to be at the same location as Ground Zero? That's a very odd coincidence to me. Um, this guy, I think, is if, if Danny Shoham... He's a former intelligence officer, not just an intel officer. He's got a doctorate, and he studied biological warfare. Okay? So when this guy speaks, I think it's worth listening to, and I think his opinion is valuable. Now, is he telling the truth or not? That's a whole different story. But he, he, he has the credentials to make such a statement that warrants our attention. In addition, if this is true about the State Department, uh, you know, releasing information saying they suspect uh, last year that there was possible covert biological warfare work going on. I think we have something of interest here that at least warrants our attention. And I got to be honest, after going through this show and looking at these pieces of evidence here, um, I think it's highly possible that maybe this was a weapon. Whether it was released intentionally or not, I, 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 don't, I'm, I just don't know. Um, I, I don't think that the Chinese government would intentionally release a bioweapon on its own people. Uh, so maybe it got out by mistake. And now we're dealing with the consequences of that. But let no opportunity go undone. Here's where I think this is going. And here's what's being... Uh, here's what we're talking about here. This is from CNN.com. China frantically shuts down stock market to prevent coronavirus sell-off. This was on January 28th, this was published. Chinese authorities have decided to stop trading on the nation's two major stock exchanges. This comes after fears of a coronavirus crash. Chinese authorities have decided to spend trading on Shanghai and Shenzhen stock exchanges. This move comes as the Wuhan coronavirus outbreak grows in size and severity. The government is kicking the can down the road. Investors can expect a massive correction when trading resumes next Monday. Uh, China's financial markets remain shuttered until February 3rd due to coronavirus fears, according to separate announcements from the Shanghai and Shenzhen exchanges. The move comes as the Wuhan coronavirus outbreak grows in size and severity, with many fearing it may lead to global re recession. The Chinese government may be trying to delay panic selling until it can get the massive outbreak under control, but the strategy is unlikely to work because of the sheer impact the virus is already having on the nation's economy. Investors can expect to see a large correction in the Chinese indices when and if trading resumes next Monday. The impact of the crisis is sure to bleed into American markets and may trigger a stock market correction. Okay, uh, where are we going here? I'm going to link. I'm going to link this uh, for you to review here. Uh, there's, but there's a section in this article where it says the United States next. The United States economy is on shaky footing going into 2020. 
America's economy is tightly intertwined with China's, and a massive crash there would have ripple effects across the world. Companies with significant exposure to China have already posted significant declines, with Apple and American Airlines down 3% and 8% respectively. Okay. What is that saying? It's saying by the time you wake up tomorrow, we could be seeing a significant sell-off of stocks starting in China and having a ripple effect throughout the world when our market opens. This could be leading us into a recession. Now, with crypto viewing, with crypto, as we're looking at cryptocurrencies, we are looking at a significant change to our economy as the old currency goes out and the new currency goes in. What's interesting is in areas of crisis, because of the connections we see with various cryptocurrencies to nonprofits, uh, non-governmental organizations, the uh, and the United Nations, we see them going in to rebuild infrastructure and then replacing that infrastructure's economy with a new digital-based economy. Here's your digital ID. Here's your cell phone. Now you can interact and uh, engage with this economy. Are we looking at a total market crash? I am not qualified enough to say that, to give you that answer. I don't know who is, but are we looking at another step in moving towards our digital economy? I'd say yes. We'll see what tomorrow brings, but there's a lot of fears affiliated with this virus that's spreading around the world. Is this the scariest virus that's ever been released? As of right now, I don't think so. I'm, I'm talking to people who are still telling me the flu is a lot more deadly this year, as of right now anyway. Let's see what the numbers tell us in a week from the coronavirus. But the media is scaring it up. It's having an impact on the global economy with an ultimate goal of driving us into that digital-based economy. Now, why is that significant? Why do I keep talking about it? Only so much I can say about it on this platform. But I encourage you, and I promise it's not a shameless plug, if you read Food for the Archons, you'll get a better understanding of why a governing body would want to keep track of every single living person on the planet. That's... That's the connection I can make for you right now. It's the question I can pose for you to ask. What value would come from that? You have to understand the structure of this world. You have to understand what I'm talking about in Food for the Archons. I promise it's not a shameless plug. It's, it's just how I can explain that. Um, pay attention to crypto viewing. Follow us on Patreon. We go deeper into that as well, where we can have those discussions there on our Patreon channel. It's going to be an interesting journey over the next couple of weeks. Please try not to obsess over it. I know I just threw some news stories at you uh, as we talked about this. I think we need to be aware of what's going on. I think we need to take it seriously and assume that it's not safe until we are sure that it is safe. But what does that assumption look like? What do we do? How do we prepare before it's too late? Well, I said it last week, boost your immune system. Whatever your remedies are to make sure your immune system is strong, make sure it's strong. 
be prepared to bug out or to bug in if that virus starts getting close to home. This determine your threshold now. At what point are you going to batten down the hatches and shut yourself in and ride this out? Do you have enough food to last you one week, two weeks, three weeks? I'm not saying go spend your life savings on food. Those are choices you have to make if you're not adequately prepared. But it's a good practice to be in. It's something to think about. It's something to consider. That's why I spent two weeks in a row talking about this subject. I, I know it's on a lot of our minds. 2020 has, has seen some challenges already this year with things going on, especially in the past week. Kobe Bryant has passed away uh, in that tragic helicopter crash. I got to say, I, I wasn't a basketball fan. I was sad to hear that he passed away. He was a great basketball player. Actually, his senior year in high school, when he was ma- trying to make the decision, should I go to college or should I go right into the NBA, he was still playing high school basketball. And I remember it was a big deal when his team played against my local high school's basketball team. Everybody went to the game. I said, eh, I don't watch basketball. I don't really care. I kind of regret not going to see him play. They said he was phenomenal even back then in high school. So that's my little uh, claim to fame there. And uh, I want to make a comment. I know there have been some people who have said some negative things about him because he made some mistakes in his life. We all make mistakes. We all do bad things. Some of us do terrible things. But those terrible things don't fully define our legacy. He was a great ball player. He was also a father and a husband. I think with that thought, we need to find the good in people and in our situation right now. All this scary stuff's going on in the world, and you know what? I had an amazing weekend with my children. They smiled the whole weekend. And now we're going to go do what many consumers do as people uh, on Sundays celebrating the Super Bowl. We're going to go to a Super Bowl party. I'm not a football fan, but it's a good opportunity for me to go and be with my friends and eat some good food and just enjoy being alive. Find some time to make the best of the moments that we have because everything could change at the drop of a hat. All right, Truth Seekers, that about does it for me. I'm out of time. Uh, Please send me any updates or information that you have. Uh, I'll have this up on the YouTube channel within the week as well. Uh, Again, great discussions going on on YouTube. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe. I hate saying that, but please subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, Like, comment. Oh, please, big request. If you haven't, if you've read Food for the Archons, I desperately need uh, reviews. Please go on and please give me a review. Even if you just rank it with the stars and you don't want to take the time to write something out, that would help me so much in in making this book um, enticing to others. And the more reviews you get, the more people Amazon shows it to. Um, And it would really help me out tremendously. This is all out of pocket here. uh, And that helps fund the show. So um, I would really appreciate it just writing a review and that helps me to promote the book. So uh, if you haven't read it already, it's available at sixcentsmedia.net and on amazon.com. I am human, food for the archons, humanity's psychic connections, parallel worlds, simulated realities, and the manipulation of mankind. Well worth your time and investment, and I promise you it will give you a unique perspective on what is happening in the world right now. And with that perspective, I think it gives you 
a much more powerful decision-making space as you make some difficult choices in the months and years that lie ahead. I'm Dennis Nappy the Second, my friends. This has been another episode of the Seeker Podcast, where small changes among the masses can have a massive impact around the world. I encourage you to be that change. Never stop questioning. Keep an open mind and let your intuition be your guide. Thanks for listening. Oh, my God.